Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Queen City Roundup. Today, we are here with a very special guest. We have Joshua Cloak of The Athletic joining us today to talk some some uh, Canadian soccer, and we'll also get into some Leafs talk as well. So, uh, hey, Joshua, thanks for uh, coming on and joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, uh, so, so very quickly, uh, oh, no, sorry, I didn't mean to, go ahead. to you, jump you, right you in Go there. ahead, Matthew. Yeah, so... Um, just uh, very quickly, before we dive into our uh, our talk, our questions uh, about stuff that's going on in the world of sport, which there are some things that are going on, uh, despite everything still uh, kind of easing back into somewhat normalcy uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, so just a little uh, rundown, if you want to give the listeners just a, a little bit of a background of uh, your, your career, what you've covered, uh, just a little bit of a bio about yourself. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been doing this, you know, sports journalism for a while now. Um, you know, I, I kind of I actually started um, in music journalism um, sometime in 2006, 2007, sometime around then. Um, I was kind of moving around the world with my wife. We were kind of teaching all over the world, uh, Turkey, Poland, um Australia and kind of I was writing for a bunch of music magazines in all these spots along the way and then um, once I kind of I'd always you know been obsessed with sports as well like you guys are and and um, I kind of once I moved back to Toronto in 2013 I kind of switched beats I guess and transitioned into uh, sports journalism uh, started picking up freelance gigs and and you know kind of gained a bit of momentum it was tough and you know freelancing is is not easy and 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 you know I, I i have a lot of respect for the hustle that that freelancers you know have to have day to day and and um yeah once the athletic kind of started in 2016 they started in chicago and and 2016 um uh i was kind of put in touch with with you know the co-founders and and started talking about contributing and, and uh, you know, began contributing that season, which was the 2016-17 Leafs season, a pretty memorable season. You know, Austin For Matthews, sure. Mitch Marner and, and Willie Nylander and, and Freddie Anderson all kind of make their their starts with the Leafs. Um, and things just kind of grew from there, right? just contributing more and more and more and eventually was hired on uh, as a staff writer and now cover the Leafs and um you know, Canadian soccer as well. And uh, look, I, you know, I, I love what you guys are doing because it, it's, um, it's, it, it's incredible work if, if you can get it. And it takes a lot of effort and a lot of kind of people slamming the door in your face from time to time. And, and um, look, I, yeah, I love my job. And I, I, I wake up feeling very fortunate to be able to do what I do every day. Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, they're well, the number one thing that I've learned in my uh, in my some uh, my junior professional career is that you always want to figure out uh, a career that you never want to feel like you're working. You want to always be, exactly. uh, you know, rejuvenated. You always want to feel like excited and whatnot. And I think that's kind of it, it's great to hear because obviously, you know, obviously people aren't as fortunate and uh, we want to kind of 
you know, show people that there's more than one way to, you know, get to the path that you want to like for, for my example, like, you know, I've always wanted to kind of do a podcast and then I met Joey through doing another podcast that we run. And he was like, Hey, we should do a, a Toronto based one. And I was like, heck yeah. And so this is our, our little origin story here. Um, but let's dive mm-hmm. into, uh, let's do some soccer talk first, just because I feel it doesn't get that much attention, especially uh, north of the border. Um, so I think we can all agree that one of the best uh, up and rising uh, Canadian born soccer players is Alfonso Davies. And he has been on a tear um, with the German league. Uh, we saw obviously last week, once the German league uh, restarted, um, he scored an absolutely like mind-boggling goal, and the fact that this kid is 19 is is unreal. So uh, my first question to you, Josh, is uh, just from a fan's perspective, seeing a, a kid like Alvonso Davies playing the way that he does, what do you think is the ceiling for him? Like, do you feel like it's just the sky's the limit, or you know, what do you see in this in this kid? Yeah, I I think. Um... You know, the sky is the limit. I mean, if you're 19 years old and you're already, you know, a first choice in um, in the 11 for one of the best clubs on the planet, one of the biggest clubs on the planet and a club that has no shortage of, of talented players also trying to clack, crack the 11, excuse me. I, I don't see why we, we can't be expecting, you know... Alfonso Davies to turn into a true world-class player. Now, a lot of stuff will still have to break right for that to happen, right? Like anytime you see a young player in any sport kind of really fly out of the gates in one season, you, you do have to temper expectations because, you know, we talk about things like sample size and, and regression and, and, you know, great players utilize momentum for long, long, long stretches of time. And it remains to be seen whether Alfonso Davies can play as well as he has for a consistent amount of time. Now, that's not to take anything away from from what he's done. I mean, you you could argue, I mean, I'd argue watching, you know, Alfonso Davies as I have every game this season, and you know, having watched Bayern for a very long time now, he's he's not just, keeping his head above water he's making an impact and and I think when you look back on the story of this 2019-20 Bayern season Alfonso Davies is going to register as one of the top three four five players for the team this season and again I think we have to take a step back and remember that we're talking about a 19 year old Canadian right like he is a true groundbreaker in his field um so yeah I I I think it's I think it's it's important to to not just look at uh, where he can go, but but what he's done, because I think I hope a lot of people, kind of a lot of young players, look at the way he's played and say, yeah, maybe I can do that too, right? And that just doesn't. I I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but that doesn't necessarily just apply to Alfonso Davies in soccer. You know, you look at Bianca in in, in tennis, right? There's there's so many opportunities for young Canadian athletes to kind of move beyond the, the pretty typical pillars that we have set up in, in, for sport in this country. You know, we're talking about hockey and baseball. So it, it's great that, that, that young Canadians are getting a chance to, to kind of ply their craft on the biggest stages around the world. Um, and in terms of Alfonso Davies, look, he re-upped on a new contract that's going to, you know, he's inked to Bayern until 2025. Like that, 
that puts him right on the doorstep of the 2026 World Cup, having played for, you know, or, or will have been played for, you know, one of the best teams on the planet. That's important. Whether he moves on, maybe, perhaps. Um, but I don't think there's any reason to doubt that he could become a world-class player. Yeah, that's oh, for a, sure, yeah. It's obviously great to see, see this uh, unfolding before our eyes. But you know, do you think he's been, like, he's had the world on notice yet? Or is he still Canada's slash the Bundesliga's best-kept secret, secret, do you think? I don't think I think if if you look at the Bundesliga coming back and being the first big league to return, um, you know, with the coronavirus pandemic, I think it's tough to it really is tough to, to find the positives. I mean, it's great to watch live sports and, and I have to temper all this because, you know, as, as we watch these live sports, there's still a lot of tragedy around the world. But. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at Alfonso Davies, we think there are very few players that will have benefited from the increased exposure that the Bundesliga is getting or, or probably will get into the Premier League returns next month. Um, there's there's very few players that are benefiting more than Alfonso Davies. I mean, you look at the people that watch him and are tweeting about him, you know, Lukaku, these kind of guys like people are people are calling him cheat codes, you know, on Twitter. And, and I think people are becoming wise to to who he is. I mean, I think if you are following world football day to day, you're probably aware of the fact that there's a 19-year-old Canadian breaking in big at, at Bayern. Um, but I, I honestly think there are probably a lot more people aware of what he's doing, you know, in Europe than there, there maybe are in, in Canada. Um, and I, I suppose we can talk about that later. But like, you know, Alfonso Davies is still not yet a household name in Canada, I believe. Um, and I, I think that probably bothers a lot of people in, 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 <laughs> yeah. in soccer. And, um, but it, again, the, if 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 he is going to become, if the sky is the limit, then then there's no doubt that that will eventually happen, that we he will become a household name if he continues on the trajectory that he's on right now, right? Yeah, yeah well, sure. that's... That's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on was we wanted to have somebody who can uh, who can spotlight him because I I feel the same way I feel like more people should know about like the talent coming from this 19 year old Canadian in one of the biggest soccer clubs in the world like like you said like it's it's pretty amazing to see. Yeah, it is. So, it, Matthew, you got it. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say it's 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 yeah. it's fun too, right? Like it's just fun. He's a fun mm-hmm. player to watch, and and I think, you know, it's it's funny when you look back at at um, you know, the 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 best male players. Like we should we should also, um, kind of, put an asterisk, I guess, or or you choose whatever term you want on the fact that, you know, Canada's women's program is still one of the best. Or, or was one of the best up until very recently in, you know, mm-hmm. on the planet. Right. So if we're talking yeah. about Canadian soccer yeah. players, you know, Christine Sinclair is still one of the greatest Canadian athletes of all time. Yeah, and I think sure. Davies has a long, long way to go before he can top what Christine Sinclair did for soccer in this country. Now I, that's not revolutionary. I mean, a, a, a lot of people have said that far more, eloquently than I have but I think that's that's a fact um but yeah I I just think he plays a fun game like he's he's 
you know, one of the quickest players in the Bundesliga. He might be one of the quickest players, you know, in uh, European football. The way he plays is not like a traditional left back, right? He, he drives up the pitch. He drives play forward. He plays one-two with his teammates, right? And, like, he scores goals. He, he, he gr- throws great balls into the boxes, crosses. He's not the way a, a left back kind of, you know, often plays the game. And when we think about Canadian players that have made impact an impact in, in Europe, it's very often defenders or kind of holding defensive midfielders, goalkeepers as well, not the sexiest of players, right? So here's a yeah. player that plays a very sexy game. And look, in, in, in an era when, when, you know, quick 10-second highlights are, are what convert fans, Alfonso Davies, you can kind of capture his essence in a, in a very quick uh, video, right? You see him bombing down the pitch. You see his great passes and you see him just bombing backwards to, to catch Erling Holland. Like that, this is the stuff that, that converts young fans. And that's why he's really fun to, to kind of watch. Right. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, one question that I have is like, obviously he started his career in MLS and obviously made the jump to go play uh, overseas in Germany. Um, you know, considering the fact that he's only 19 years old and he still has a lot to grow and he still has a lot to amount to, do you see him maybe one day returning to North America and whether it's with a Canadian team or not, do you think he'll maybe, you know, turn into probably one of the best soccer players in the world? I know that's a very, you know, broad question, but like, you know, when you look at some of the the talent that, that are overseas and, you know, they're all established, but they're all well into, you know, past their primes, you know, considering that he's only 19, you know, does he, do you see him maybe being the poster boy to be a Canadian, like one of the Canadian, one of the best Canadian soccer players probably of all time? Yeah. I mean, there's a few uh, parts to your question. I mean, do I see him returning to, to North America, to Canada to play? Not for, not for a very, very, very long time. You know, like mm-hmm. what, what, if you look at the, the fact that, that probably the best male Canadian soccer player of all time, Atiba Hutchinson, he's still playing at what, 36, 37. He's playing in the Turkish league, which is a good league. Um, I, if, if Davies continues on the trajectory he's on, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know why he would return to, to North America. And that's not a slight on the North American game. That's, you know, he could probably play at Bayern for the rest of his career if he wanted to, right? Um, but in terms of, I mean, the, the second part to your question, it, he he's probably already one of the, what, three best male Canadian players of all time. I was having this discussion um, with a friend the other day, and, and, you know, to me, Atiba Hutchinson is the best male Canadian soccer player of all time because of the longevity of his career. Like I'm, I'm the type that, that respects longevity. I'm the type that, that, that wants to see players do it for a very long time. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't become the best male Canadian player of all time. He's definitely not there yet. Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about is, is, you know, what he's done in a national team shirt. And he had a great 2017 gold cup. The whole team didn't have a great 2019 gold cup. Um, If Alfonso Davies can get this Canadian team into the 2022 world cup, and he won't be able to do it alone. I mean, 
it was again, I was having a conversation. We were talking about how in a few years we might be having this same conversation about Jonathan David as being one of the best Canadian players, male Canadian players of all time. But if he can get Canada into the 2022 World Cup, I don't think there's any doubt then that he is the best Canadian player of all time because he will have to have done something that the Atiba Hutchinson's didn't do. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. sure, yeah. So you mentioned Jonathan David. He's a, a, another player that, that that's um, very talented and they're still very young on the Canadian national team. Right now he's playing in the Belgian league, I believe. Um, just like, would you say that like with, headed by Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies that, that Canada, like the national team program is on the way up from being in the dump for years? Um. Yeah, I mean, just based on talent alone, like it, it, there's more talent in the pool than there ever has been, but they still haven't taken that big. Like, look, the, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in the stadium when they when they beat the United States in October, and that was surreal, you know, because it, it's it's the kind of win that 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 you know a few years ago seemed uh, unfathomable, right? Um, but there's still a ways to go, right? That, you know, if, if you, because that's the thing, if you have the talent and you have the pool and you have the type of players and, and we're not just talking, you know, about Alfonso Davies and, and Jonathan David, there are some incredible players in Canada's men's pool. You know, Jonathan Osorio is finally kind of getting his due um, on a larger scale. Right. Um, you have to get you have to get these this team um, to a bigger place. And right now, it might seem harsh. I mean, the, the goal was the hex, and they they didn't you know after this, they're, they're not in there right now. They're not in the top six in in Concacaf. But I I still think that the goal for this team has to be qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. It's going to be hard, but you have to show noticeable improvement. Like kind of we I think we're kind of past the the stage where we got to fawn over this talent and say, wow, like, look at these players that that grew up playing in, in Canadian youth soccer systems like this is great. And, you know, the, we have products of MLS and, you know, good for us. But, you know, what comes next? Like, I, I think 20 kind of 2017, 2018 and even leading up to 2019, Jonathan David's performance in the Gold Cup was was fantastic. Um but we now we need to see what comes next. Um, and it's fair. Like if, the, if the, these players are, are talented enough and, and Jonathan David is going to move to a big enough club where him and Alfonso Davies and Jonathan Osorio in, in Toronto, they're used to the pressure. They're used to the expectations. So this shouldn't come as a shock to them that people are expecting them to, to get as close to qualifying for 2022 as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one thing I know you mentioned MLS um, when talking about you know players like Jonathan Osorio that have played for for Toronto FC. Um, I know we're still very much in the unknown as to what MLS will do in regards to starting up their season again. Um, but what do you think is the most likely hood of happening when the season restarts? Will we see something similar 
to what we've seen overseas uh, in Germany? Or do you think maybe they'll try and take their own unique approach on how they bring the game back? Uh, yeah, I mean, my colleagues at The Athletic have done some really incredible um, reporting uh, in terms of, of what the, you know, the MLS season could look like. Um, and it, it, it seems like there's going to be a tournament in Orlando. Um, don't know how long. And then there's going to they're they're hoping to have um, some kind of home and away games um, at, at the end of the season. I think there's still a lot of kind of details to be ironed out but um i I think that's the 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 goal the hope i mean mls still has a long way to go in terms of you know days and months um so yeah it's it's i i think it'll probably look a little bit different i think they'll, they'll have a tournament and then we'll see what happens next yeah for sure yeah so just to transition over to uh to hockey now um I had a few, uh, was it last week, you came out with a piece profiling um, uh, Nick Robertson, the Leafs' number one prospect. And now after their big announcement and everything, the Leafs announced that he's going to make their, their extended club. Um, just uh, what's something that you can say to people who may not be as familiar with Nick Robertson? Like, what can you say about him and what the Leafs have in, in a guy like that? Yeah, you know... Um... I was talking to a colleague about Nick Robertson. I mean, for those who don't know him, he's an incredibly gifted scorer, 55 goals in the OHL this year in 40 something games. Um, his shot, he can score in a number of ways. You know, he can, he can score uh, with his wrist shot. He can power through guys. Um, just such a dynamic scorer, And he's such a confident kid, not brash, not cocky, but someone who just believes in himself because of the work that he's put in um to get to where he is and and um he's someone that you know wants to prove a lot of people wrong i think you know dropping to the second round of the draft probably still bothers him and i think he still wants to prove a lot of people wrong but incredibly confident wears his heart on his sleeve and and again i was talking to a colleague about him and and, and they said that you know he might end up being the next nazim kadri just in terms of how open and honest and and um just kind of a rugged personality i guess someone that that you know is 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 easy to like and and um really again hard on their sleeve type uh but yeah i think fans are justified in being excited about him we'll see what comes next um but the way he plays is definitely going to be one of the biggest storylines for the leafs going into the playoffs so yeah um just to kind of branch off of that i'm looking at the Leafs roster right now like it's incredibly you know built on you know, the front, like you have so many talents that you can put in the lineup and are great offensive producers. My question is, you know, if Nick Robertson does come into the lineup, which, you know, I would say is more likely than not, you know, what would be, which player do you think would really come out of that lineup? Because I see a lot of players, especially on their, on their left side, considering Robertson mainly plays the left side. I mean, like you have Zach Hyman, who's an amazing left winger for the team. Um, you have guys like Alex Kerfoot who could play the uh, the left side. You know, you have Pierre Engvall, um, uh, Ilya Mikheyev, who many people most likely have forgotten. And then you also have to wonder if Andreas Janssen will be fit enough to play, given how he has had so much time off from his uh, his, his what we thought to be season-ending surgery. Um, you know, if Robertson, you know, who do you think comes out 
And if Robertson makes that much of an impact, who do you think maybe gets dealt uh, down the line? Well, I mean, Andreas Janssen won't play. He's 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 not in contention here. He'll probably travel with the team, but I don't think he plays. Um, and I, I think maybe you're looking at Frederick Gauthier or Pierre Engvall as, as players that will come out. Um, I, I think you want to see what Nick Robertson can do in a top nine role. I think you want to see because he he's the type of player that, that makes players around him better. And so you want to see what he can do with more skilled players. Um, so I guess Engvall and, and, and the GOAT would probably be at the top of the list. Though if we've learned anything about Sheldon Keefe, it's that he's not afraid to change things up. So perhaps... Um, you know, perhaps they kind of, uh, maybe he rotates guys in and out a lot in those first two or three games to really find a, a lineup he likes. Now there's expected to be just two preseason games. So we'll have to make that decision pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I, I, I think you're just looking at Gauthier Engvall. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask a follow-up yeah, so, question. Oh, no, never mind. Right, I'll, I'll let Joey go. No, you go first. We'll do back and forth that way. Right. So what do you, uh, so what are your thoughts on the, what the NHL is, uh, going to come back with, with the 2014 extended playoffs? Like what, what's your take on that? I mean, I, I don't think you're going to find a format that makes everybody happy. Um, For it's, sure. kind of, uh, it's, it's the format that, uh, it's the format that, that I know they kind of went through in an exhaustive manner with the return to play committee. Um, I, I honestly, I, I don't have any real hesitation about it either way. I think we're all kind of eager to see hockey come back. And I think, you know, that the, the players or the teams that voted against it, Tampa Bay and, and Carolina are certainly justified. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. That's yeah. fair. When um, I first uh, heard the, when I first heard the rumors of it, I wasn't too happy with it at first. But now that you see the concrete plan and all that, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think it's something fun, and it's cool to see the NHL uh, go outside the box for once. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I remember when I first heard about it, I thought it was going to be absolutely ridiculous. And then now uh, you see the way that it looks and the way that they probably made changes about it. I like the whole round-robin format for the four uh, for the top four teams in each conference. Um, like I said this before, like it gives those teams a chance to actually like play games and play competitive games and, you know, regain their skills that they may have lost due to this, this pandemic and them not be able to play for two months. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think about that. So, so one more quick question that, uh, you know, we have to ask, that I think we should ask you is, um, in regards to the following season um, next year for the NHL, when do you see an appropriate time for the league to potentially start? And if they do start at a certain time, do you think it would go all 82 games? Or do you think maybe they revert to a shorter season in order to revert some normalcy to the league's original schedule? I my understanding is that they're intent on playing an 82 game season. We'll see what that looks like. Um, I keep hearing January one as a start date. Um, you know, cause look, if this, if, if things don't start, you know, until late July thing, you know, the season could go into October, right. And you, you late September, right. And you have to give players some time off. Um, 
it's going to like, it's, it's just going to do a number on their bodies, you know? And, and um, I think they're intent on playing 82 games. I think obviously they're concerned about revenue and, and TV money. And maybe if there's a way um, that they can, uh, you know, work something out with, with rights holders, but I think they're intent on playing 82 games. Um, and I, I think maybe then you would look at the season afterwards as the one that they kind of get back on track. But I, I do think this is something that will probably take a few years to correct, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I think this is something that, that rocks, you know, not just the world to like the world to its core, like more so than just the organizations. Like everyone's trying to scramble everything and we're still trying to figure out everything, you know, day by day at this point, just because there's still a lot of unknown. So, yeah, I, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense in regards to uh, trying to plan for the future as we're, we still don't really know that much. Um, but, yeah, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, we want to thank you again for coming on uh, and taking your time to talk with us. Uh, if you want to follow Josh on Twitter, uh, his Twitter is at Joshua Cloak on Twitter. You could read his stuff at The Athletic. It's really, really great. Uh, and, yeah, we want to thank you again for, uh, for taking your time to come and talk to us. Oh, anytime, boys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Thanks for a those lot. of you – yeah, for those of you in the recording, uh, we're just going to take a little bit of a break here just so we can all take uh, some time and Josh can uh, just, you know, take a little take a little breather and we'll all go and do our own personal things. But me and Joey will be back for our, for our second portion of our show, so just bear with us. <laughs> all right, so uh, we're back, myself and Joey. We want to extend our uh, our gratitude for josh for taking his time to talk to us always appreciate having guests on the show we had nikki uh nikki giordano last week having josh this week it's been it's been fun it's been fun getting other people's perspectives uh but now you're stuck with both of us now so uh oops i guess um but uh we mentioned quickly with josh uh the nhl uh playoff or return to play playoff format uh, earlier, and I guess we should give our, our Leafs perspective on it now because we've given our our general perspective. But how how does this affect Toronto? That's that's the best <laughs> motto to live by. Um, but uh, the way that it affects the the Leafs, I'll let you go first because I'm I have some strong feelings about it in a, in a way. Well, I don't know. Like, I I personally am excited to see the matchup again. Columbus like these are two teams that every time they play in the regular season are so tightly contested all the time and the games just like they always feel like a playoff game even in the regular season because they're so closely contested and all that so like and like both rosters will be healthy like these were two of the most injured teams in in the season before the pandemic started so like see all like both these rosters healthy and stuff like I I like the Leafs chances but it's just overall, it's just like for any hockey fan, I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. Yeah, like in regards to like the play-in rounds and like the continuing like uh, rounds, like I think it's great. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at least confident that we'll see uh, some more things progressing, obviously with, uh, with continued um, decrease in cases. Um, but uh, I was, I remember... I heard, I think it was Elliot Freeman saying that they were going to have uh, within three weeks of the announcement, and they announced it this week. So about mid-June is one they'll have both uh, hub cities 
uh, confirmed. And I think personally, if I had to guess, it would most likely be Vegas for the West. And then uh, for the East, like out of the ones that were available, I think Toronto makes the most sense. Um, because a lot of the other ones in the East were all uh, American, to my knowledge. And like a lot of them are in, are in hot spots. Like I think, um, you know, I saw Pittsburgh being one of them and I was kind of confused because I, well, I, I didn't really the, get it at first. I think I think Toronto was at a disadvantage for being in Canada because of the mandatory two weeks quarantine that they have to go into from crossing the border. So that's, I think, is one thing that will stop the NHL from from coming to Toronto as a hub city. Yeah, like I'm um, just looking at the uh, I'm trying to find the the lists or uh, or the yeah the list that um that Elliot Freeman put out. Uh, yeah, so the, the the ones that were under consideration were Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Vancouver, and Vegas. So yeah, the only Eastern Canadian team would be Toronto. And like looking at all of them, I think Columbus sort of makes sense, but I'm not necessarily sure uh, the number of uh, of COVID infections in that uh, state. Last time I checked, it was fairly low, but again, you never know. Um, I still think that, like, yeah, like looking at all of them, I think Toronto makes the most sense and Vegas makes the most sense. Um, like Los Angeles, like LA, I get it. That's like the most neutral because they're not gonna make the playoffs. But still, like it's really, really weird. And also, like it, like Chicago is a huge red zone right now. So I don't know why mm-hmm. they. I'm assuming it's because of the um, the infrastructure in the in the arena, which makes sense. Um, but with that, da- I kind of want to see what if if they do go with Dallas because um we. I uh, didn't really mention this a lot when we recorded our other show last night, but the Texas governor has stated that he will allow up to 25% of fans in sports venues to be, to be spectators, which is, I'm going to let you chime in on that because I'm, I'm shaking my head as I'm saying that because I don't get it. Um. I don't know. I it's just not. I don't think it's. I don't think that that's the smart thing to do. But then again, like I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'm no doctor or anything. But like I don't know. Like we've been told, like don't go to public gatherings. And what's 25 percent, eighteen thousand or whatever? And I know that is still like quite a bit of people to be in like one building during a pandemic. Yeah, and my my reasoning for why it's a very poor idea is because you look at the you know, you look at the idea of allowing people in there and you look at say Texas doing it and say, okay, if Texas pulls it off, which I'm not really sure I'm not sure how possible that is because like looking at the Texas numbers right now, they are growing at a very uh slow pace and it doesn't look like it's as serious as say for example a you know a, a state like illinois or a state like new york and new jersey um but i what worries me is that say if the texas governor says it's okay you know the the vegas governor will say well we don't have that many cases in our 
our state, we're going to allow it as well. And, you know, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's going to piggyback off of everyone else. Like it's going to piggyback off of that decision. And it's going to be like, okay, if everyone starts to do it and then we start to see numbers spike, like the second wave that everyone's talking about is going to be just astronomically bad from the state's perspective. Like it's, yeah. it's worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, you can go ahead. Oh, nothing. I'm just going to go bring it back to the, to the NHL format and all that. Um, I want to say one thing I do really like about it is if the Leafs get through Columbus, it's not, not a guarantee that they'll play Boston in the round after that. Yeah, which, which, I mean, they were originally going to play the Bruins in the playoffs anyway with the way that things were going. It was looking like it was going to be Tampa. Um, but looking at the top four, like the top four teams from, uh, you know, Philadelphia, Boston, uh, Washington, and Tampa, the Leafs have been hit and miss against a lot of those. Like, they've, they've, they've done really good against Tampa this year for the most part, which is surprising because of, Tampa Philly being. scares me for whatever yeah. reason we can never beat them. Yeah, Philly's I don't know, like looking at like I'm looking at all their all teams right now. Boston, I think we all want selfishly because of the you know whole history that we have with them. Um do we really want it? I, I or do don't we just want like it. the torch. I I'll say this. I want a Boston series when things return back to normal. Yeah, I I want that, and I want it in the second round. I don't want it in the first round mm-hmm. because the second round means more. And if you get past them and go to the Eastern Conference Final, even if you lose that round, it will be a somewhat success because okay, you got that far. Like like you said with Philadelphia, sure. yeah. they're they're actually a very interesting team. Like they like going into this year, like you'd think that they're pretty like lackluster. But they have they're just like they're like a fringe team. Yeah, like they have so like their top six in my opinion is unreal. Like, why am I stuttering? I don't know why. (laughs) I forgot that Claude Giroux had 102 points two years ago. He had the quietest 100 point season a few years ago. He really did. He's. I would say he's a very career. Honestly, he's been underrated. Yeah, because he's been in the shadow of uh, of Crosby. If he won in 2010, I guarantee you he wouldn't be. Um, and then Jake Voracek. What was funny with Jake Voracek was um, in my last OTH article, uh, when I looked at uh, how the Flyers drafted Sean Couturier, I didn't realize that Jake Voracek was a part of the deal. And that was the first Jeff Carter trade. And I look back at that now, and I'm just like, what the hell was – I think this was when Doug McLean was was still the GM of Columbus, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know when he left the off like the the front office, but like, dude, that trade was horrible, like absolutely horrible for Columbus. Like, okay, yeah, you get a 60 plus point player for the last couple of seasons, but you're giving up a guy who is a consistent like point producer and playmaker and he's had about a couple 80 plus point seasons under his belt so i mean i don't know it's it's really weird and then like is it weird that kevin hayes is is good now like i remember I, when he signed that deal and i just like 
I just I just cringed. I was like, it was so really on paper it's so bad, and now he he was on pace to break like I think fifty points for the first time in his career, and I was just like. That's how does somebody who has never broken 50 points to how has he like how's how do he sign a contract like that uh, i don't know i don't know yeah, i must have a uh, whatever agent he has i want yeah i want that agent man and like a lot of the scott lawton is making 2.3 million dollars on their team and this is a guy who has broken 30 points like there's some really like Weird team, like weird contracts on their team, but hey, they have some really good players. Like Prover, like Ivan Provorov is probably one of my best defensemen that I've seen. And also, I forgot JVR's back there in Philly. Yeah, he's a which, good, uh, he's a good complimenting piece. Which fun fact: James Van Riemsdyk has never signed a contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has yeah, always signed he a contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. He basically. Resigned with the Flyers. He, he's like, he guys, my, agency. he's like, guys, my deal's up. Can I get a raise? Yeah, sure. Okay. How's seven sound? That's perfect. Boom. And maybe, they maybe this down. time we'll we'll trade another mediocre defenseman back for him. Oh shoot. Oh, we 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 talked about this in one of our group chats last night. I feel bad for Luke Shen, man. Like <laughs> Luke Shen, if Luke Shen was the talent that he was when he was drafted, I forget what team drafted him originally i think it was luke, luke shen or Braden shen luke shen Braden shen's luke fine. Shen was drafted by the leafs no but i mean like his his uh his O team when he was in the o what team did he play oh or, no uh, was it brandon oh yeah no it was Kelowna. he was with Kelowna. Like, yeah, he was a good like no, Braden was on brandon yeah and like you look at him on paper and like he had the size like six two two twenty four seven like that's a pretty big boy and he's only 30 it feels weird that like he was drafted literally 11 years ago this summer like he, it, i mean he he wasn't terrible like i don't think like in his like from what i remember in like his rookie year he wasn't terrible like he was like he was like yeah he's a rookie he's okay but then he just never like improved yeah, like it's it, it just really goes to show you how like brutal the NHL draft can be. Like there's so many players that look like they're going to be something and then they just go out and struggle and don't really turn into the player that they, you know, come out to be. Like Shen's a perfect example and uh, I think if you want a perfect example, you go to the Florida Panthers with Erica Branson. Like that's that that's not fun. That that really wasn't fun. I mean, it got them Jared McCann out of it, which they then turned into magic beans. But yeah, um, if I had to pick a team for the least to play, I kind of want them to play the Caps again. That'd be fun. Yeah, like I think Washington and the Leafs are a very evenly matched team in a way. I think you know I want to see like. Kuznestov Backstrom versus like Tavares Matthews. I want to see like oh okay Ovi versus Matthews in general is gonna be great because now three years have passed since that first playoff series. Ovi finally has a cup. You know Matthews it, is kind of like the player yeah. to be the next. I don't I don't want to call him the next Ovi, but like the next high scoring player in the game. 
The only difference yeah. is that, of course, he's not yeah, right-handed. Um, well, I'm just remembering how fun the series was back in 2017 and how much more fun it, it would be now that that the Leafs are more matured a bit. You know, our stars are have like more of an identity of who they are in the league and all that. And like now that they've had a few a few playoff rounds too to bring into the next season with Washington and like especially the way they play each other too. Like that that'll be a, another really fun series. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, if you had to pick like one team, uh, or one, yeah, one team that's currently into the twenty-four playoff format that you think is not deserving of being there, besides Montreal, because I'm gonna go ahead and say, um, whatnot. I'm just gonna go ahead and say minus Montreal. Who is the least deserving of being there? Um, Chicago. I'm just gonna go with the next. Every, every single like, uh, like team. Canadian, Canadian hockey fan who loves the Blackhawks because of their like three cup runs would be mm-hmm. like gasping and telling you that you're stupid right now. Um, but one thing that I would kind of be interested to see is like if Chicago wins the cup again, I would be okay with it because we would say it doesn't count. Like, yeah, this my whole thing about this, like if whoever wins the Stanley Cup would have an asterisk. I don't necessarily think so. I think the only teams that would have an asterisk would be like if a Nashville won because they were out of the playoffs, yeah. I believe, when the season stopped, or like if if a Chicago won, if Montreal went on a run with a hot carry Price, so then all of a sudden they were they just won a bunch of games. Like you know what I mean? Like if if there was a team like that who won, I wouldn't think so. I, I, w- I would put an asterisk next to it, even if, like, the Rangers were to win. But, like, if Washington Capitals wins, if the Pittsburgh Penguins win, if the Boston Bruins win, God forbid, <laughs> that would, uh... Dude, that would the, suck. The, then, then I'd be like, that's legit. I mean, if if they win the Stanley Cup, like, you'd only have two more years of Tuka Rask, and then he would basically check out and retire. Because, like, he's basically said, like, he doesn't know if he's going to come back after his current deal, which... I would be okay with him retiring, cause like, yeah. not just cause, not just yeah, not just cause like he's I don't want to play against him anymore, but like you won two cups, you've won one as a starter, might as well retire when you're healthy. You've won everything as a goalie, so like you know that's Has the he way won that a I Vesna? Would, I think he ha- yeah, 2014 he won the Vesna. Yeah, he did. Because Carey Price won it the last year, which I went on our other takes on the nosebleeds show and said that Carey Price is the most overrated player in the league, <laughs> which I I think so, and I think many will agree, many will well okay have fans will disagree, and it's not that I hate Carey Price, it's just ugh like the the recent numbers like and it sucks because like the guy's a it's, gem. It's not just that too; it's the inconsistencies. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's been really rough. Um, speaking of inconsistencies and really topics on on hockey Twitter, there's one that happened today. Should we talk about the elephant in the room? Like, What not, is the elephant in the room, Matthew? The elephant in the room being Tony D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. I, I don't – do we do we talk about it, like, slightly? Yeah, yeah. We so, talk about um, it. 
for those and Brendan Lemieux know, as well. Yeah, well, I was gonna God. I was gonna touch on that. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Tony D'Angelo, who is hockey's favorite punching bag right now, um, because he supports rightfully so. Uh, because he supports one who will not ever be named on this show for obvious reasons, because we don't support that kind of bullshit. Um, went out on social media, which, by the way, the guy had 53 points this year, which is really, really stupid for a guy of his. The guy went from being like a fringe top six player to being like, oh, by the way, I'm good now. But I'm a piece of shit in real life. So basically, um, Tony D'Angelo, after several heavy things happened in the world, which me and Joey want to avoid talk. Well, I don't want to say try our best avoid to... talking about it, but it's, it's really hard. And like, we can't, we can't come up with the words to do it justice just because we'd rather this be a distraction. Yeah, exactly. Like we were not doing this to be uh, like arrogant or ignorant. Like we're just trying to give people, a little bit of an escape from the world that's going on right now. So basically, with Tony D'Angelo uh, stated that he is going to start a podcast, which initially you'd think, oh, that that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. He, yeah, that's cool. He can do what he wants. So uh, somebody responded to his tweets originally, uh, asking him, you know, what it'll be about, and he says, you know, it'll be about sports, good stuff, general stuff, good stuff, politics. But then he goes, we'll see about that one. And then goes today saying our podcast will be politic free. So don't get your hopes up. But then in brackets, he goes or down. So. So that's just a whole lot of nothing. Yes. Um, and also Brendan Lemieux, um, who is also a, uh, a New York Ranger came out and said he's going to be the co-host with um, with Tony, uh, which was funny because, you know, looking at Brendan Lemieux's numbers in the NHL, he's uh, kind of a dumb. He's kind of a, a goon. He's a little goony boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically more or less starting a podcast to capitalize off of the re- 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 cra- I can't even speak. The crazy BS that is happening right now in the world. They're trying to be the ones to be like, oh, by the way, we have stuff that's going to go out. We're going to talk about – we're not going to talk about everything that's going on, but we are going to talk about everything that's going on. And it's just yeah. it's just really, really crazy. In well, my honest opinion, if I'm the New York Rangers, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. I'll, I want you to chime in because I found something else out earlier. Well, if you saw – Brendan Lemieux said originally his I think he deleted his tweet since he said this is I'm reading the tweet word for word that was deleted this podcast is going to push the politically correct boundaries that surround the current NHL players and I can't wait this is the content that fans have been waiting for have you learned nothing over the past like two weeks like how tone like, deaf is he can trying... you be like yeah. what do you what's this act that you're trying to pull like where have you been like like this is exactly what Akeem Alou was talking about in his article like two weeks ago it just or goes however to long show, ago it was yeah and it goes to show you how the league is very privileged towards people that are not of certain colors and ethnicities and it just goes to show you how people and organizations in, in particular 
are very close-minded to this to these things which will perfectly back up my other point so to uh to to piggyback off of uh what uh tony d'angelo and brandon lemieux said the new york rangers twitter account the actual you know verified account retweeted these tweets and then unretweeted them so like okay i like the new york rangers as a team because they have great players i love artemi panarin i think mika zibanejad is one of the best young centers in the game i really like mika zibanejad they the if this is not a sign that they need to declutter two of those those two players out of the organization i don't know what is like i understand you want talent on your team but what about at what expense yeah, at what expense? Like, what about the whole integrity of the game bullshit? You know, like, do you think that... And it just goes back to, to when we talked about Steve Downey last show. Like, did the Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. give a shit that Steve Downey was was a complete and utter dumbass? No, they want him on the team because he, he put up 43 points and slowly his career went to shit. Like, I'm, I'm so dumbfounded at this. Like, the only reason why, like, and you look at the Rangers as a team, like, there's so many likable players. How do you hate Henrik Lundqvist? Like, I just want to save him right can't. now. Yeah, like, he's so, like, if anything, you know what? I, I want the, uh, what's his it's name? Like you the, want the, the new goalie. Yeah, I like uh, Alexander Georgiev. I like yeah. Igor Shitsurkin. Um, And even, like, some of the other ones have been around for a long time. Like, I don't hate Mark Stahl. I know it sucks that he's declined. And also I found this out the other day, Adam Fox, who was one of the players that uh, went to New York um, after the, uh, he didn't sign with the hurricanes from the Dougie Hamilton trade. He put up like 45 points this year in 70 mm-hmm. games. You have that guy. Okay. You have Adam Fox, who is two years younger than Anthony D'Angelo has you know, around the same point production as him. You have more control of him. And Anthony D'Angelo is in the final year of his RFA deal. Why not just take the younger, better player that you have more control over? And I I, I know... It's like, like, it's like, I understand Tony D'Angelo on the ice had, like, a pretty decent year this year, but that's nothing that's, like, irreplaceable. Like, Brendan Lemieux talent. was barely, barely an NHLer. You can just... You can just get rid of him completely, and like your team yeah, will not exactly. suffer at all. And Both of these like, players should not be talking and doing all of this stuff in a contract year, because you are mm-hmm. ruining your chances of people wanting to like. A perfect example of somebody who was afraid that wasn't going to get a chance was Robin Leonard, and in Robin Leonard's defense, you know he had his own demons and he's corrected a lot of his stuff, and now he's probably going to be one of the hottest goalies on the market. Once he eventually ends up hitting the market again, because I don't think he's re-upping in Vegas. But like people, I'm 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 still like naive that people can change, and I'm hoping that people do change. But like some of the stuff is just so it's so stupid, and it really it's, goes it's to the show tone that, deafness in that. That's just like the most yeah. irritating. And and people want to talk about oh hockey's for everyone, like the league itself. Like, okay, good on the Caps for dumping Brennan Leipzig because, you know, in regardless, you know, first of all, they should have probably done it sooner. Second of all, like, the guy made peanuts. In, in, in hindsight, you could have dumped him at any time. 
Um, but also, like, don't you notice that the players that come out and are exposed as being, like, racists, bigots, and, you know, just all-around horrible people are the guys that really have had, had kind of, you know, really crappy careers? Yes. Yeah. Like, Steve Downey's a perfect example. Um, I know he's done a lot to re- redeem himself in the public eye, but Dan Carcillo was another one for a long time of a guy who was just really toxic. But obviously, yeah. it was it was because of hockey culture. Like, hockey culture, and we said this last show, like, there's a reason why we titled it Hockey Still Kind of Sucks, because it does. In, in the culture sense of it. Yeah, sport and what's funny... Is, no, go ahead, and then I'll... Great. No, the sport is great. It's like it's what made me fall in love with sports is watching hockey. But then, like when you start to like look behind the curtains, is when it gets really ugly. Yeah, and I think like what what's really funny is that when with all of this the stuff that unfortunately is happening right now south border, and for all of our American listeners, we we definitely sympathize with you guys because this is unbearable, and you know us as Canadians we. Obviously, you're thankful that we're not in that situation, but we're we're very empathetic because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to see anybody obviously lose their lives unfairly and unjustly. Um, but wh- one of the things is like um, when you look at the players all across pro sports that have come out, like, you know, the NFL is one of the biggest sports when it comes to, you know, talking about diversity with all the stuff that we saw with Colin Kaepernick. You know, like that was that was huge. And, you know, we see players all across like we see baseball players right now are are very outspoken with the way that things are. And hockey, we don't see that much of that, especially from the big guys. Like if it's a lot of just shut up, play the sport. And yeah, and it's like they they don't want to deal with it because it doesn't happen to them. And Evander Kane came out earlier today and he talked about it first thing. Yeah, and he said, why doesn't Sidney Crosby, who's supposedly the face of the game, talk about it? Why doesn't Connor McDavid talk about it? And I'm, I'm sure happy McDavid, someone. I'm happy someone in the league said it. Yeah, and it's like, do it to the point where you're not forced to do it. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be now, these organizations are going to put pressure on these guys and say, hey, you know, we're getting some backlash here. Can you go out and tweet about about this thing so we we look we can retweet it and say hey look he's he's remorseful he he sees all this stuff and is is sympathetic to it like no and and this is this goes back to the point of you look at the toronto maple leafs and i know um people are going to you know groan and bitch and complain about this but the leafs are such a model organization because they don't deal with stuff like that they're big on diversity you know, they they just put out a video like two weeks ago talking about like the pandemic, which people south of the border have clearly forgotten is still going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mind boggling to me. And to see the Leafs basically saying like we're and, and the fact that they turned Scotiabank Arena into an actual like kitchen to feed healthcare workers. They, they tweeted today they've made over 200,000 meals for these. Yeah, workers. they saw that. Like. Don't you want to be like that organization? That's the standard that everyone should be like. And every league, and I'm going to say this right now, every league, every organization 
should come out and talk about this. And I know hockey talked about it a little bit this year, and that was mainly north of the border that talked about it. Like, when you look at, um, I think it was the week or two after um, Don Cherry was let go from Sportsnet, like, Ron McClain spent a whole, like, hour before the the games on, on Saturday night talking about it with a bunch of other people. Like, we just inducted Willie O'Ree into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Does that what not show you so anything? Long. Yeah. Does that not show you anything? It's like, oh, we're going to induct the, you know, the first black player to ever, you know, play in the National Hockey League. And you know, there's still backlash him. for it. Yeah. It's wait, was there still backlash for it? Oh yeah, you know those douchebags on Twitter. Oh, his career—he wasn't even that good, and all that. You know, you know the still, type of comments I'm talking about. But like, like he accomplished of, something bigger than than the stats that he put on the ice. Hall of Fame is created in any form of organization, whether you're a school, whether you're a pro sport league, whether you're anything. They're created to look at the accomplishments of a person who has made their mark on the game. And Willie O'Ree has definitely made his mark on the game for being the first player of color in the league. That says something. Okay, if he wasn't that good, why is Gary Bettman in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I don't think he was a good hockey player. I don't even think he even laced up a oh, what's that? in his life. Oh, wait, what's that? He just he still made a big contribution to the game, even though he didn't do anything on ice. Wow, who would have thought? I know. What a concept. Like, like Jim Rutherford went into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And to my knowledge, I don't think Jim Rutherford played. Oh, no, he did play hockey, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I think he played. I'm, I'm just going to go and, and confirm it right now. Yeah, like he was he was a goalie that played originally, like, in the, in the 60s and 70s for the Red Wings. But that was when the Red Wings were... That was the Dead Wings. Yeah, he was part of the Dead Wings there, but still, he. You know what? Why you can immediately go back and say, "Oh, Jim Rutherford wasn't a good hockey player." Okay, look what he's done for the game. He's won multiple Stanley Cups, and yeah, we we shit on him because he's made some stupid trades with Pittsburgh over the last two years, but still, he's done enough to go in there. You're you're gonna allow those two who have never amounted to anything successful on on ice play they get passes because of the color of their skin but the moment that you induct somebody different like that's a huge that's a huge problem like it's and it's also another thing i want to see more people of diverse cultures in the hawk in the nhl draft like there was one Mm -hmm. i think a year or two ago there was the first chinese born player to ever be drafted um, there was uh, Liam Kirk, who was the first ever UK-born yeah, player to yeah, ever be British drafted. Player. Yeah, um, like, the uh, what was his name um, on Washington, the first Australian-born oh, yeah, player Walker, to play in an NHL game. Nathan Walker, yeah, first Australian yeah. player to ever play and score. I think he scored a goal that game. Yeah, like, I think he did. We need, and I understand that Gary Bettman is trying to grow the game and trying to reach out to overseas players, trying you know get exposure. But he's doing it for money. He's doing it because he needs money, because he wants to, you know, increase things like the salary cap and, and you know, make money off of these TV deals. He's doing it out of financially. You know, the thing is, though, the thing is, though, if they want to succeed as a league, 
financially, then they need to get more diverse, or else it's just going to fizzle out. Exactly. Like, I, I have no doubt in my mind that if the WHA was still around and they were more, more diverse than, than hockey, they would friggin' still, they would probably thrive and more people would invest in them because they'd be like, hey, here's the league that actually, you know, has good hockey that's being played and they're showing a precedent of how to act. Like, and especially in junior, like, I don't know how it is now because I'm not around like a, a junior hockey team and I I didn't play the sport growing up. So I don't know how it is now, but if this is not a wake up call to change it. Horror stories. Yeah. Like I've heard stories of like fights happening for no reason. I heard one of like, uh, there was a fight that broke out in the locker room and then the dude took like a garbage can that was filled with, like, I think it was, like, either, like, Gatorade or chocolate milk and, like, literally dumped it on the guy who was trying to, like, beat on him. Like, we don't need shit like that. Like, come on. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons why, like, if I have a kid down the road, like, I do want kids, but if I do have one down the road, I'd be scared of putting them in hockey. Because not only is it expensive, but is it worth it for their own well-being? Like, for their own sanity. Exactly. Like, it's, it's mind-boggling. And it's so friggin' insane that we're literally in the year 2020 and we're still going through all this shit. Like, I I can't even go on Twitter anymore. Like, I went on Twitter this morning because I passed out at, like, 2 a.m. And I found out that, you know, they arrested a reporter on CNN because he was literally, you know, he was trying to ask what was the problem. He was say if he can move. asking if he can go to a certain area. Yeah, he's he was asking, asking a question. He was asking a question, and because they were impatient, they arrested him on the spot. Like, what the hell is going on? And I saw another video, I think it was in Pittsburgh, where cops were literally driving through the – no, I think it was either in Pittsburgh or it was a situation in Minneapolis. Uh, literally drove through the streets pepper, spraying pepper spray at pedestrians. Like, what the actual hell is going on? Like, I, I'm at a point where mm-hmm. it's it's so it's so strange. It's, and it's exhausting. It is. It's very exhausting. And I'm hoping and I'm praying to every God imaginable that things do get better. And one of the one of the positives that I will say is I'm so thankful that hockey twitter is supportive of people like akimalu that have come forward i'm so grateful that like the analysts and the reporters are are coming out and sharing his story and even the co- and the content creators are as well but the players need to step up like yeah. it, it's unheard of and and what's funny is that the notice that the players that tend to make the, the comments and I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be very biased to this, but a lot of the people that do speak up are Canadian players, most likely that are in Canadian markets. Like Max Domi, I think made a tweet like a day or two ago talking about, or no, like a week or two ago talking about the pandemic. Like I know again, two different topics, but like we need more of that. Like, stop focusing on 
what's going on in your life and talk about what's going on outside of your life. Like it's, it's beyond me. Like I'm, I, you can't see it right now, but like my face is like incredibly red and more than normal because considering you and I are both (laughs) Italians, red is the default color. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's so frustrating to me because like you and I both know, like, especially when it comes to like being discriminatory against like immigrants and towards people that are, may not have grown up in this country. Like we literally, like, I'm sure your grandparents immigrated here, like, you know, 40, 50 years ago and they had to start from scratch. Like, Mm -hmm. like we, we don't, we haven't experienced it firsthand, but we know you know, we've know people who have had hardships like that. And that's why I don't give people that are immigrants, you know, hard times because I get it. Like I have one of my best friends, you know, just came to Canada like five years ago and she's seeing the shit that happened overseas and she's like, or down South. And she's like, I'm glad I chose here because it's scary down there. But mm-hmm. I, I, we went on a huge tangent. We, we just wanted to mention how, Brandon Lemieux and, and Tony D'Angelo were were just stupid, and then we went and talked about how garbage the sport is again. We're on a two-day streak of that, and I'm hoping we don't talk about it down the line. Um, you want to wrap up with the NBA having a hard date now to come back? Uh, yeah, I'll let you uh, lead with that because you're the one who actually brought it to my attention. Yeah, so actually – about five minutes before we started recording our show and uh, and getting Josh on our call, uh, I looked down at my phone and I saw that uh, I got a notification saying that the NBA's return to actually like play date is looking to be July 31st. So we're looking to have playoff basketball between the months of August and September, which is really huge because – and this kind of shows you how – basketball was going to start you know their season probably in december now this kind of helps reinforce it and can i can i just say that adam silver is the best commissioner again because like it it, it shows yeah he's, he definitely is he's planned ahead he's literally like he's planned for every step of the way and he's kept his players in the loop and have you have you heard any player or any team speak out against this format like no uh, i haven't well damian lillard but okay besides damian lillard but that's just because of the playoff format has anyone spoken out saying that they fear for their safety you know publicly no no and with the amount of personality that the nba has you would expect somebody to come out and and you know talk and NBA say players that aren't afraid to speak out exactly so i i'm I'm pleasantly surprised that, you know, they all come to an agreement, you know, privately and have their and most likely have had their grievances, you know, met behind closed doors instead of bringing it out to the public. And it just goes to show you how well run the NBA has been for the last like 30 years, even before Adam Silver, when when David Stern was still there. Like basketball, in my opinion, is besides their struggling with their their ratings. Uh, and their TV deals, they're still thriving, in my opinion, especially in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so 
Hold on. So just to get things straight for what the NBA said, they have four different competition scenarios that they're going through. But no matter which one they choose, the so far the date is July 31st. Right. So what what I think okay. is they've kind of done the reverse of what hockey did. Because with the NHL, Gary Bettman said, we don't want to put a hard date to our fans just because we don't know the current situation. But with the NBA, they've actually put a hard date, but they're still finalizing the return to play format rules and and whatnot. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm assuming by within the next week, we'll see uh, a similar press conference digitally that Adam Silver will host. Uh, I won't hear anything from Major League Baseball, that's for sure, because, oh my God, like, unreal. Like, it's it's insane (laughs) right now with all the shit that's going on in Major League Baseball, but we'll we'll save that for another thing. Because we've already talked a lot, and... uh, Literally, right when we were talking to Josh, I looked out my window and I saw storm clouds, and I'm like, "Oh shit, yep. this might <laughs> this might be bad. It's gonna get in the background." You might hear in the background of the uh, some thunder in the background of uh, from my end on the recording because I definitely heard some. But we're yeah, talking I heard to it, Josh. I heard it faintly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we want to thank uh, Josh again for coming on. It was a huge honor to have him on. Um, we'll, we'll tweet out his link to his Twitter account so you guys can follow it. Speaking of Twitters, I'm going to try and say ours this time and not screw it up. So if you follow us at the Q underscore city roundup podcast, I got it right. You it did. took me like, what, 10, 10 shows to finally get it right? This, yeah, well, this is episode 11. Oh, okay. So on the, well, yeah, 10 shows, this is the 11th. So I, I timed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you guys can follow us on that. We'll have the account or the uh, episode pushed out on that. Um, and uh, yeah, well, that's that's all we got, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you have any final thoughts or opinions? Uh, not really. Just, not really. Just don't be like those two New York Rangers players. We were talking about earlier. Yeah, just kind of rehashing all of this, mm-hmm. this stuff. Oh boy, and I'm also, yeah, I'm also seeing a press conference going on right now, which I'm I don't want to watch because it's. Oh it's, no. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that. Uh, but anyway, we're we're gonna end it there. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see y'all next week when we hopefully have happier topics to talk about. We'll think of something fun. Yeah, if not, yeah, we'll think of something fun. So see y'all next week. Take care, y'all.